Welcome to the show. It's Friday, so that means I'm out, and it's also hashtag FOF, or F-O-F, Friends on Fridays. This Friday, we will broadcast John Zipper's week-to-week show. The program today is brought to you by Pacific Fertility Center. When life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. And now here's Week to Week with John Zipperer. I'm John Zipperer, the host of the Commonwealth Club's Week to Week Politics Program. You can find out more about Week to Week and all of the Commonwealth Club's many programs, including videos and audio, at CommonwealthClub.org. Now let's join this week's program. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome to the stage Sophia Amoroso and Ali Pincus. Hi. Hi. Hi, guys. Wow. This is so exciting. It is. So um, I'm Allison Pincus, and welcome to the Inforum program uh, at the Commonwealth Club. And my friend Sophia is really incredible. I actually made an index card of all her titles. And I'm going to read them out to you because she is so illustrious and so amazing. And then we'll get started with the questions. Sophia is the founder and executive chairman of Nasty Gal, the founder of Girl Boss Foundation, the author of Girl Boss, a New York Times bestseller book, the author of Nasty Galaxy, which we're here for, host of Girl Boss Radio, and the executive producer of Girl Boss TV show, which you're going to hopefully talk to us about. Yeah. So let's get started. Cool. I love that you start every podcast featuring women's snippets and stories. I think it would be really fun to start by asking you about a personal hashtag Girl Boss moment. Please cool. share. How many of you guys have listened to Girl Boss Radio? Cool. It's a podcast. If you don't know how to find podcasts, there's an app called Podcasts <laughs> that you can download. It's so easy. <laughs> um, okay, so we have this thing on the podcast called Girl Boss Moments, and it's just it's, it's like a hallmark moment. It's like the time in your week where you felt like you're in control of your life, where you were living your life for you deliberately. Um, because even when we work for ourselves, it's easy to find ourselves in a place where our, our calendars control us. Um, and so it's important to kind of call out those moments where um, we're doing things for ourselves to like nourish ourselves, whether it's you know, getting a job promotion or starting a company or taking a bubble bath. And so that's what a girl boss moment is. And I guess my girl boss moment, I have been in, I don't know how many cities, not, th- not as many as I could have been in, um, like San Francisco, or you know, obviously San Francisco, New York, Brooklyn, uh, Austin, like two days ago, just on like a lot of flights. And I was supposed to be in Miami, but there was this hurricane named Matthew <laughs> that came through. And um, so that got canceled. And I found myself out in um, Amagansett, which is way out almost by Montauk, um, for a couple days, just kind of chilling with like one of my best friends whose parents have a house out there. And yeah, so just taking time, you know, finding yourself in New York City, being like, oh my God, I could catch up with all the people I didn't have time for when I was in all this press and at book events and whatever else, or I can like finagle more meetings, like I know who's in town or whatever it is. Usually that's like winning the prize. And then, I don't know, after 10 years, I guess, of busting my on this thing called Nasty Gal, and now all these other things, just going out to, um, to the Nowheresville and like chilling with like a giant dog seemed like a gift to myself. So that's, that's what I did. And that was my girl boss moment. Thank you. I thought it would be fun if you could talk to us about 
whether the meaning of the word girl boss has changed over time and, yeah. and since the book came out? Well, it's a, it was just the name of a book <laughs> at first, and then it was a word that everybody just started using, like a word that was in the dictionary, but it's not. And it now has like three and a half million like Instagram tags where Nasty Gal, the company I started a decade ago, has like, I don't know, a few hundred thousand. So it's like pretty bonkers, just the way that word has become like a part of, of the lexicon. Um, I mean, when I wrote Girl Boss, being a girl boss was about taking control of your life and living your life deliberately and not living it for other people. If the expectations of other people line up with what you do, then that's great. Um, but life is short. And that's even, that's a challenge, you know, for me. And I wrote the book Girl Boss. So um, that's what it is. It's more of, a, it's a philosophy. And so it's funny though, because the word became a thing and it was a hashtag. And so every magazine and, you know, digital publication or wherever it may be started using it in, you know, in the context of like the workplace or, you know, it can have so many meanings where it's like a girl who's a boss and it's actually not that literal. And I've, I just like recently this like insane woman that no one's ever heard of, who's like an Australian entrepreneur, like went to like daily mail and I don't even know how she got them to cover this, but the headline was Australian entrepreneur says the word girl boss is holding women back. And it's like, oh my God, really like, and apparently because the word girl is in there, like why can't we just be called bosses? And yeah, people will use the word girl boss to describe like a female boss, whatever. At the end of the day, I don't, I don't think it's like hurting anybody, and I'm not sure what she, she's done for, for women, but other than like hassle me. Um, she has a company with the word banana in it, um, so I don't know what that is. But apparently she's a really talented marketer because she like got the Daily Mail, mail to cover it. Um, so how has it changed? I don't, I don't, I mean, I think it's the same. My intention's the same, but you can only hope that what you spin out into the world is something that other people take and make their own. And you can only hope that that's a positive thing. Perfect. So Nasty Galaxy has an incredible amount of um, information about musicians and about music. And after I read the book, I thought to myself, Sophia must have gotten her PhD in music or maybe her no, master's no education. in music. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe you can share with us just how you learned so much about music and because it's really a great read about yeah. the history of music. Thanks. Yeah, there's a lot of women in the book who have inspired me along the way with their style and with the choices of roles they've had or, you know, just being kind of like female musicians. And, you know, I mean, before I realized that I could sell things on eBay. I was going to the city college in San Francisco, taking photo classes, and was working up in Noe Valley at a place called Streetlight Records. Does anybody remember Streetlight Records? I think there might still be one on Market Street, I don't know. But um, I worked in a record store, and I've had a lot of jobs alphabetizing things, and I have to say, it's really gratifying. <laughs> Bookstores, photo labs, like people's like photos, like, record stores and um yeah so I just it was a lot of dudes and a lot of dudes in bands and I was just like this kid and I ended up I think I got fired um but they introduced me to some like really cool music and I sold a lot of Dido in Noe Valley at the time <laughs> um a lot of Nora Jones and Rufus Wainwright I didn't know what any of that was um <laughs> And learned about a lot of really cool music. And it was also before Spotify and Pandora and Apple Music where to like get into like stuff that wasn't just like on some like, you know, 
algorithm that told you what was cool, you would like have friends who like recommended stuff to you. And that was, that was fun. And like, there was a sense of pride with that and probably like a little bit of ego involved with it, which I've gotten over. Um, cause you end up with like no friends if you try to hang out, if you're, if you're like all my friends have to like the same music, like don't do that. Um, and so, yeah, learned a lot about music and have just continued to find myself like inspired by different women through history who um, are making happen. <laughs> Can I say that on NPR? I think this is going to be on NPR. Speaking of inspiration, your look, <laughs> <laughs> your look is your look and your style is constantly evolving in a really great way. Um, where do you find the inspiration? Mm. I think a little bit of is just like, well, I live in LA where grooming yourself is like a full-time job. <laughs> you go there and like the men have beards or, that are like, it's as though like some tiny person cut them with like their, I don't even know, like it's weird. And people just look like quaffed when they've been like working all day. And so you kind of have to figure out how to like take care of yourself. And it is also just in a part of the culture. And so I think I've learned a lot, partially through like, you know, working with amazing hair and makeup people and discovering hair extensions, not feeling like the crypt keeper, you know, anymore. Um, just like, you know, being able to play with that is really fun. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess that's it. I just like to keep changing, but the bangs keep coming back to haunt me. I was blonde for a second. That was pretty weird. Yeah. Um, so for Girlboss Radio, you've interviewed some really incredible people. Yeah. And is there a common theme or a takeaway that you can share amongst these storytellers, innovators, and entrepreneurs? Yeah, it's such a variety of women. Um, and it's such a pleasure to extract stories from them. What I learned from writing Girl Boss is just, that's one story, that's my story. And it's a, it is a, it's a wild story, um, but everyone has a story and everyone has a start. And I think um, the women who were maybe speaking to women, I think that there's a totally different conversation happening now, but when that book came out, the women who were speaking to women were like, had like the best educations in the world and they were getting book deals. Somehow I got one. Um, and there's, um, and so to tell someone's story and their start, you know, I think the start is as important as where someone winds up. And it's important not in them having been at the right place or the right time, but just for the rest of us to know that not everybody has the perfect education or the perfect uh, pedigree um, to start with because we all look at these magazines and I totally buy Us Weekly. I totally buy the stuff. And you look at these people whose lives are like, they are, they're making things happen. They've achieved some level of success and, and they have a great hair and makeup team. <laughs> and you, you, know, you don't know like how they got there. We just look at where they are. And I think to chart someone's path from like the very beginning is a really important thing because for the rest of us, because I still remember the person that I was when I was really st struggling to figure out what I was doing with my life, and I'm still, I still think about that a lot of the time, believe it or not, um, it makes us feel less alone. And like, you know, we don't, you know, you don't have to, 
I don't know, have Angelina Jolie's like left leg to um, <laughs> figure out how the, or I guess John Voight as like a dad, I don't, you know, to figure out how the world works um, or to achieve things. So um, I didn't, I didn't even answer your question, did I? No, you did, and it might also be fun for this audience if you could share some early stories or tidbits about the earliest of days of Nasty Gal. Yeah. There's some incredible moments that you've had. Um, I mean, I think the most exciting moments are things like getting a new office space or like buying a Nissan Murano. Um, or what else? You know, like we moved the whole office in like garbage bags in the rain once. And it was like an office. I had like zero employees when we did that. My dad's here. He helped me. Um, my family's in Northern California, so this is really cool. My mom's here too. I know she'll get mad if I didn't say mom. <laughs> she'll totally be like. <sighs> um, I don't know. This it's okay. Um, sorry. Um, there's just so I don't know. There's so many moments. Just like digging through people's junk and. There's gonna be a Netflix series about it. I could just segue into that because that's pretty entertaining. That the hernia that I had Can you when talk I was about 22, that? <laughs> that I got the job at the Academy of Art University at 79 New Montgomery to fix because I needed health insurance through a group group insurance because at the time you couldn't get health insurance if you had a pre-existing condition with individual insurance. I guess that's changed now. Um, uh, I, uh, oh yeah, that that's like becoming a thing, that there's a, you know, what's it called? Like a fake hernia? What's that word for prosthetic hernia? On someone's body being shot for our Netflix series is pretty entertaining, so. I mean, none of this stuff in, in, in independently is really that interesting. I think it's the combination of those things. To, in retrospect, to be like, that happened, that's crazy. Because a lot of the things that happen, I bought a car, you know, it's not that. It's really not that big of a deal, but when I guess you write a story about how those things represent, what those things represented to you along your way, along the way, um, makes other people take stock in what's important in their lives. We'll be back with more here on Friends on Fridays with John Zipperer of Commonwealth Club right after this. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? <laughs> Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. 
Hello, I'm Charles Symes, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.alegrecare.com. Allegra Home Care, serving your community. It's unbelievable. You have a TV show coming out sometime yeah, in 20, 2017. Can you tell us a little bit about more about the show and, yeah. and how it came to be? Yeah, so um, I live in L.A., and I didn't move to L.A. to be part of Hollywood. I didn't really know much about it. I live east of Highland, which is like a totally different part of town. It's like not even really, you know, it's outside of Hollywood. I used to live in Los Feliz, and now I'm still not too far from the east side, I'm still on the east side. It's a very different, it feels like a different world. Um, and uh, wrote this book, and a book is a piece of media, and it became a bestseller, and Charlize Theron read it, and she produces stuff, and we have the same agency, and uh, they put us in touch, and she said, I wanna make a show about this book, and I said, that's crazy, okay, cool. Um, <laughs> Nice to, nice to meet you. Your skin is amazing. Um, <laughs> and uh, then we found this star writer, Kay Cannon, who I'd heard about, who wrote Pitch Perfect and Pitch Perfect 2. Um, and she became the creator and showrunner and writer and assembled an incredible team of writers. And then came casting directors. And it's been so fascinating to see how a show is put together and to see like hundreds of people read for one role. And then amazing talent that, you know, you, see, you watch television and you're like, yeah, you know, you're like, this is TV, cool. But like to see a team assemble, like a whole culture really, assemble and disassemble over like a period of months. And everyone knows their roles. If, if I could have done that, <laughs> I really, you know, that's like so incredible. Um, I guess, I, I mean, if I could have done that with Nasty Gal. Like, they make it look so simple. Everyone shows up and just does their role on the television show. And of course, there has to be strong leadership, but these are people who are, like, the best in their game, and they leave, and they go on another show, and then some of them might come back for this show. But um, it's a 30-minute scripted comedy, and it's based on Girl Boss, and it's really funny, and it's set in San Francisco, and there's a lot of incredible scenery of the city that I'm so, I'm just so happy that it was shot here. And, um, and that's probably about all I can say without Netflix, like, I don't know, hassling me. I'm not sure. I think that's right. And we're so excited. We can't wait. Speaking of San Francisco, what do you like to do when you have a free night or a couple I of hours? I really like it here. You know, I used to live, I lived here until like 2010. And that was when like all the artisanal coffee shops started opening and little oyster places. And it was around the time that I could afford like a nice glass of wine and an oyster. I was like, hmm, but I don't know about this because all my scuzzy friends are getting pushed into Oakland and my only, all my friends are scuzzy and I still am deep down. Um, but it was just weird to watch the city change. And um, I wasn't like, meh, my city. I was like, oh, I love this restaurant, Francis. <laughs> like, this is so great. But I was on my way out. I ended up moving to LA. Um, and 
you know, as I've come back, I felt kind of like a ghost walking around, you know, like in these, like a, these movies where there's like a ghost and it's like, I don't even recognize this place anymore. I'm just standing here on this street corner and everything has changed, but I'm still a ghost. And <laughs> I felt like that at times. And then I think on the last couple times trips I've been back here, like I may have actually like filled in the shoes of the person who like really enjoys like all the like artisanal stuff. Like I went to the ferry building like three times today and got blue bottle twice um, and walked to Pier 39 like a well-adjusted adult and like watched the sea lions yell and um, I don't know, what do I like to do here? I like to eat, I like to see people that I know because there's, I mean, even with a few of them, I'm only here for like a day or two usually when I'm here, so I try to catch up. We're catching up, we get to catch up in front of everyone here, um, but I haven't seen, you know, it's like really nice to catch up with friends and I try to see family. My family's in Sacramento and if I can make it out to there, that's great. If they can drive in here, then it's like we can go to the rotunda and um, yeah, I would say like rotunda, <laughs> rotunda. <laughs> yeah. You enjoy your time yeah. when you can find it. I'd like to change gears just for a moment and, and go back to Nasty Gal. Can you share the moment when you sort of realized that Nasty Gal was a massive success and was resonating for women yeah. across the country? Yeah. Um, I mean, that really kind of, that happened, I think, when we launched the website, or it was we being like me, and then I hired an employee shortly after that, but um, left eBay, launched the website, which, you know, I wasn't able to direct traffic from eBay to the website. It could have been like the worst thing ever, and the website sold out, you know, the same day, um, and Kelly Ripa's stylist was calling, asking for more stuff, and called my mom and I was like, mom, I might be dressing celebrities. And she's like, don't get in over your head. <laughs> I was like, you're mean. And I'm right. <laughs> but that's okay. Um, she just wanted me to go back to community college. <laughs> um, I think that was like the first moment where it was like, oh my gosh, like I took this big risk and people followed me and there was a little bit of press and um, people wanted more. That was really it. And then there's just been little, you know, little moments uh, over time, and I think I get that question a lot, like what was the one moment that you knew that fill in the blank? And there's just so many moments. I think I think um, everyone's looking for that moment where, the, where where in your life it clicks, and you're like, I know what I'm supposed to be doing, or you know, this is it. I know now. And yeah, in retrospect, you can like find those moments, but um, there's so there's just so many of them. I'm sure. Having started a business out of love. What do you love and hate about business itself? Um, I love creating things. I love assembling teams. I really like working on small teams. Um, it's been a while since I've done that. Uh, I like, <laughs> I love this sign. There's a sign that says 45 minutes left. Like, that's like, I don't, anyway, sorry. It's like a really long time. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh -oh. um, um, yeah, I like creating things. I like naming things. I think I'm really good at naming things um, and then figuring out what they are after the fact. Like, I never thought I'd be saying Nasty Gal 10 years later, and I didn't really expect Girlboss to be what it be, has become, um, and that's really exciting. 
Um, what do I hate about business? Um, I hate I hate like not being in control. Um, there's just in life and in business, this is something that I've learned mostly over the last few years. It's just how little control you actually have. And that when things go your way, you're like, I'm totally in control. I can take credit for this. And then when they don't go your way, you're like, I just have to unlearn everything that I thought I knew. This sucks. Um, what else? I think people management is really challenging. It's like a, it's a lifetime. It's a skill that's learned over a lifetime. Um, what else do I hate? I mean, working in the same place where, like, eventually the lunch food gets old. That, <laughs> but that's any any work, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, deep thoughts. <laughs> if you were starting Nasty Gal today, what would you do differently? Well, I would like to have had a plan, um, and I might have raised venture capital sooner. Or not at all. I think doing it six years after founding the company was a shock to the system. To absorb the level of talent that we were able to hire, the amount of funding we got, um, just like the amount of like press we got, it was like insane. It was insane. Um, and I think being having been a little more planful, I think you know, or having known what that world looked like beforehand. I wasn't that kind of entrepreneur. I would like to be that kind of entrepreneur who knows how to like start a business on purpose. I'm so glad that I can kind of like spin brands out by just kind of like shooting from the hip and um, crafting like a narrative around a brand or you know some. The, I feel like Girl Bosses is another brand, um, but going into things with more intention than I did, I I think I would have uh, been a lot better off today and the team would have been better off and it would have been a lot easier to get to where we've been going than it has been. I think that's really helpful. I think that's really great advice. So as a creator and an entrepreneur, where do you find camaraderie, mentorship, and support? I have found like so much support from women that I've met along the way. I mean, women and men. The men tend to be, (laughs) they're like these like New York dudes who like just like like me because I'm straight up and they just like to help me um and so there's like those guys and then there's just like all these amazing women and some of them own their own business and some of them are in marketing at L'Oreal or you know have careers and aren't necessarily entrepreneurs but like are really well connected just like know how the world works um and I'm I mean we're all still figuring that out but to hang out with people who are a decade older than you who have seen the landscape change, who have great relationships, who like you for, I mean, I guess for what I've done or because like they like hanging out with me, but don't ask anything in return because so, with so many of those relationships, it's not, there's not a, like an exact exchange. It's not like if you do this, I'll do that. It's like they actually want to be my friends. I think understanding, like telling myself that, oh, these are business friendships and these are friendships and just like you can only know so many people and have like so many meaningful relationships and having met so many people along the way, that's a challenge. Do you relate to that? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, but I f- just feel really fortunate to have people who could like just like pick up a phone and like do really nice things for me, mostly without my having to ask. And that is just like, yeah, it's really, really cool. For yeah. sure. And how much time do you get to spend with your shoppers? 
shoppers. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Well, most of them are on the internet, so um, not a ton. I get to see a lot of girls on book tour on book tours. You know, I just did a book tour like a year ago for the paperback of Girl Boss. So this is now like I'm like a touring musician or something. Um, and then in the store, I mean, I haven't been in the store recently as recently as I would like to say I have. Um, but, and I'm actually kind of shy. I don't run up to customers and say like, hi, are you having a good experience? I'm Sophia. You might've heard of me. I started the company. Tell me how your experience is. I'm, I kind of lurk around and I just like watch, I'd like shop myself and talk to the girls that work in the store. Um, and just see like how, what the customers look like and how long they're spending in the store and if they're getting good service. Um, but, um, I, I talk to them mostly on social media, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I forgot to add that store owner. Oh, God. I don't. Too many titles. <laughs> titles are titles are like one thing. I think what you do with what you have is more important. Any plans to bring the store to San Francisco? Not yet. Not yet. One of these days. Or a pop-up? We've never done a pop-up. You need we'll to do to a pop-up. We'll have to figure it out. I know. I know. We're still figuring out the first two stores. We're still learning, learning from them. I'm sure. Yeah. So I'm going to change gears for a second and okay. talk about this beautiful book. Four pounds. So I have a... How many pounds? Four. It doesn't feel like four pounds. <laughs> it's four. So my question is, there's a lot of really great looking women in These the cover. ladies? Oh, yeah. The and illustration? I think, and I think I found you in a couple of places. No? Can no. you tell us about the women? There's there no one in particular. I hired oh. a really great illustrator named uh, Leslie Davis, who works out of Paris, to do that illustration. But people are like, "Is that you? Is that one you?" And I'm like, "No, that would that would it would be weird to like make my face in there." But I also did put my face on the cover of a book, so that's weird. Um, no, they're just like a variety of women, and it's a really cute pattern that's part of the girl boss brand and I don't I'm still figuring out what that is we'll be back with more here on friends on Fridays with John Zipperer of Commonwealth Club right after this hi I'm Marsha Levine and I'm the parade manager for San Francisco Pride the thing about working for San Francisco Pride or really any pride is that you're creating a space, a venue, an opportunity for somebody who lives someplace where they're not as free to be LGBT to come out, be with others, like them, identify, and feel a sense of community as well as freedom. If Pride can do that for just one person and make them feel a part of something instead of making them feel like they're alone. That's why I continue to work on Pride to this day. I think that San Francisco especially is a freelancer's dream. It's one of the best cities where you can come and you can work on contract for as little or as much as you want to. It's a a big part of what I do to be able to afford to live in San Francisco. Saving's really important. San Francisco's not an inexpensive place to live. 
And when you have extraordinary circumstances cropped up, uh, like illness or other expenses, repairs and things like that, if you don't have the savings that could really affect your ability to remain a viable member of San Francisco's residents. Spotlight on success and achievement. Brought to you by Wells Fargo. Together we'll go far. It's incredible. You've created so many brands. Like two. But two. No, more than two. As many as you. Um, we, I think we want to hear more about the Nasty Galaxy creative process. And okay. what was that like? Because your first book included a lot of words and really important and helpful stories. And this book includes really beautiful words, but also really beautiful pictures and a lot of music history. Can you talk to us about the process? Yeah. Well, um, competing with a book like Girl Boss is really, he's just like, there's no way I want to follow a book like that with another book like that. And I think there will be another book more like that. Um, but like I wanted next year? to, huh? Like next yeah. Year. At, at a certain point, like my eat, pray, love or something like the next one. Um, let's hope. I mean, geez. Uh, I wanted to do a visual book because I have a visual brand and I'm a visual person and I really wanted to go to art school and I appreciate design. I know what kerning is, but I don't really like, um, I'm not a designer. I, you know, I'd like to have been a creative. I still whine about having never gone to art school. Like someday I'll go. But um, I wanted to present the brand and my world and still inspiration and many essays of mine and um, Q&As with different women who inspire me. So there's 12 different women that I know who are entrepreneurs, um, creatives, stylists, um, you know, business owners in the book to tell their stories. Then there's pictures of my house because, I don't know, it's really personal and it's also really pretty. And there has to be some some pretty pictures in there. Um, so it's like it's really like a lifestyle book. Like if I was Tori Birch, like this would be like my Tori Birch book, but I'm not. So it's different. <laughs> <laughs> but the process, oh my gosh, this book was so much work. Girl Boss was like everything that was in my head. It just came out supernaturally. It was everything I had to say. Um, as my agent would put it, when I really first met with her, she meets with lots of people, and she's like, you, you don't have a book in you. She went with me, and she, I was like, I want to do a business. I, taught, I wasn't pitching her. I was just saying, like, this would be cool, right? And she was like, you have a book in you. And it's like, I had a book in me. And, um, and it just kind of came out. And um, this book, this was a full deliverable, which means, like, all the way down to, like, the, I don't even know what you call it, like, the way the... Uh, like the files, like we, we had to de deliver files to the printer. Um, so typefaces, like permission for everything, every photo from Nasty Gals history to music archives, people who might be dead, um, you know, collecting interviews with different women, shooting my house. Like it was, it's such a variety of content that assembling it, you know, it seems like, you know, it is very stream of consciousness, but actually assembling it was a ton of work and getting permission to use the stuff and doing the research that's necessary to do it properly was it's like it was like putting a magazine together you know um so it was it was a ton of work and it's nice to have creative control over something from beginning to end girl boss i had creative control over with the words um and the cover i mean hey the book sold like it totally worked but like 
I only had like a couple rounds of being like, uh, I don't know about that with the cover of that book because it was like Penguin, it was Penguin putting it together. So to have like full creative control was, you know, fun. And this book also has a lot of advice and really, really good advice. I have to ask, are you a consummate reader of advice books? Yeah, yes. Um, I read some of them in full. Most of them I read like about three quarters of the way through. Um, I like, I need to read more fiction just to like challenge my brain and maybe take a vacation for my brain. But the last 10 years have been like only time for nonfiction, like only time for learning things, only time for practical things. And then there's the how-to pieces. And then there's like, you know, advice books about relationships and like, you know, different attachment styles and like, there's a really good book called Attached that I read recently um, that talks about like the different attachment styles and I'm an, I'm an anxious, anxious attachment. So I'm like, I don't know, just like I never rest. And then there's like avoidant attachments and I've mostly only dated avoidance and that's just like the worst pairing ever. <laughs> so it's cool to just know. You know, because I got a divorce a couple months ago, so I'm like, okay, like I gotta figure this out. Like, what's going on? I mean, it's not like, oh gosh, like a long line of like failed relationships. I married my third boyfriend. Are you nodding? My assistant's like, stop. No. Okay. Um, so the new guy, I made him take the quiz, and he's actually um, like well adjusted, and that's a really good match for someone like me. So. Yeah, we did that at the Beverly Hills Hotel. It was fun. Maybe we can talk about just Sophia is so strong, and and she said she's willing to talk about it. Yeah. And how, um, just what it was like in terms of like, you know, ending the relationship oh. and moving on. And <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, and do you have any tips? I'm like, the, yeah, that was what we want to talk about. Tips for the audience. Tips for the audience. In terms of getting I'm married. I'm so like the last girl in the world who talks about relationships. It's really funny. I mean, I grew up with all those like teenage magazines that were like, what do I do? He looked at me and I just was like, never the girl to like dream about my wedding day. Like I, you know, I sold like abalone shells on the corner that like my dad like went and like dug out of the ocean and was like, wow, $5. Like, like, I was not, you know, I didn't have baby dolls that I, like, fed with milk or... Anyway, wound up married because that seemed like a good idea, and it was still a good idea. I mean, I think you have to take big risks to, like, learn important things, and I've learned, I learned a lot in a very short period of time. Fortunately, I want to say unfortunately, but if something's not going to last, it's better to know sooner rather than later. Um... But I guess my advice would be have an inexpensive wedding and get a prenup. <laughs> I did one of those. And was there a moment with the book Nasty Galaxy because, you know, you talk about um, your life together and you probably had to make some... Oh my God, it's like dedicated to him and there's like <laughs> the wedding playlist. Yeah, I didn't, I wasn't anticipating that. So I'm sorry. I'm sure you, there was a big moment, probably a big conference call with the agent and the no, publishing house. Like, and you can only hope that you keep evolving or people evolve out of your life um, faster than like your book can be published. <laughs> like I'm learning stuff and my book's already outdated. I'm so sorry. 
Um, but like, yeah, that's life, and I, I'm proud of it. Um. <laughs> so you've been on a book tour for the past week? Yeah, like week and a half. And where do you go next? I go home for one night, and then we go to the Grove on Wednesday night at, to the Barnes & Noble. And then I go to Santa Barbara for an event on Thursday. And then I fly out like Monday or Tuesday to New York. And I do something with Squarespace next week in New York at the Brooklyn Museum. And then I come back for a couple weeks. And then I go to Australia and do like three events there. Never been there. I'm excited about that. And um, I don't know. At some point, I might see my dogs. I wound up with three dogs, too, after. It was like a shared responsibility, and now it's all mine. <laughs> it's actually the legal limit. Um, three. <laughs> so funny. Oh, we have 30 minutes left. Oh. Um, I noticed when I, because I've like been spending a lot of time with your content to get ready for our special time together up here. You had very different folks, women, in the book and also on the Girl Boss radio show. Did you think long and hard about, okay, this person would be great for the podcast and I really want this person in the book? And, and what was that process like in terms of thinking about the interviews? Yeah, I mean, some of the women who have, are in the book have been on the podcast. Um, some of them are just, they're friends of mine and they're at different stages of their careers. Um, it's all, they're all people who inspire me. Some of them are super wacky and are just like making crazy stuff and it's not, they're not building businesses that have to do with like making tons of money. They're just like, you know, following their talent and figuring out the rest. And then there's like, you know, Audrey Gelman, who's like, you know, well-educated, um, was a political consultant, stopped doing that and just, her company actually, um, like open today, it's called The Wing, it's in New York, and it's so cute, it's like a women's club, and we went, there was like a slumber party when we were in New York last week, and it's basically like, if, if Soho House, if you know what that is, met like the Equinox locker room with like a really good library for women, and like better design across the board, it, it's a place in New York where you can go between like, you know, work and dinner and like freshen up or catch up on emails and it's women only and it's membership only. Um, and it's, and it's really, really beautiful. And, um, so she's in there. So it's, it's like a variety of women and they're all just, they're all people that I know personally. Everyone in the book is someone I know personally and admire. And, um, yeah, I usually tr try to go with that. The podcast is different cause I've been doing it every week for a full year now. So at some point you run out of people that you know, or they just, are not like diverse enough or you, yeah, you want to meet people in philanthropy or people that are doing like totally different things. And so that's been really interesting to learn to host and learn about uh, enough about somebody, you know, sometimes an hour or hours before an interview to, the, you know, to the extent that you have to like pull out like their entire story and make it interesting and funny and, you know, complete. That's like such such a challenge. It's fun to to learn how to do that because I, yeah, I'm never ex thought I'd be doing that. But it's fun to force yourself to do things that are uncomfortable like this. <laughs> Twenty five minutes. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> 
Speaking of philanthropy, you started the Girl Boss Foundation after the book came out. Can you talk to us and, and share with us sort of the motivation and also what you're most proud of? Yeah, um, the Girl Boss Foundation is something that I started when the book was published um, in May of 2014. So it's been two and a half years since Girl Boss came out. Um, and I was just like, okay, like we're gonna put a, a little fun together. I worked with James Higa, who's here in the front row, who I met through Index Ventures, who's the um, mentor in residence at Index Ventures, and like was literally the man that got um, who was it, um, Com de Garcon, to like open their factory to make like. Oh, is that secret? <laughs> I don't know. He worked with Steve Jobs for a really long time, <laughs> um, and is just like, a, I'm proud to call him a friend, and has a foundation um, or a nonprofit. A nonprofit, running a nonprofit is like no joke. You have to have a board and there's like governance and I couldn't just be like, I'm gonna start a 501c3. Like it's not, it's not something that you do um, lightly. And so I worked with James to establish the Girl Boss Foundation and it's run through Philip Philanthropic Ventures. Um, and we've given over $90,000 to date to um, female creative entrepreneurs who are applying their talent to their businesses. And um, so far, it's just been grants. Thanks. Um, I think mentorship is equally important, and networking, and tools, and education. And at a certain point, um, maybe when I have less titles than that, or, or a team dedicated to it, um, you know, I'd like to to make it uh, like a more well-rounded um, organization, but it's, I don't know how many, it's like the most recent grant was given to someone named Mara Benudin, and um, she's a business, I think it's called Radseed, and um, the premise is that you can go online and you can basically choose your avatar, and like your family, and so it's just, it, the idea is to be totally inclusive, um, and so you can have like, um, you know, whether you have a mixed race family or you have two moms or two dads or you look like this because, you know, and your parents look like that, you know, it's, for, it's children's books and children's books, you know, you get this one example of what a family looks like in any book and those books can be really great, but it's this hero's journey of this little girl who's wearing like a tutu and a motorcycle jacket and like combat boots, but you can like, you can change who, what she looks like and you can change what your family looks like. Um, to like kind of, and then you basically order it, and um, and then you have this like book that's like, oh, it's my family and my hero's journey, and um, it's a really cool idea. Okay, so she we was the most go, recent to order it. We'll be back with more here on Friends on Fridays with John Zipper of Commonwealth Club right after this. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at progressivevoices.com. Babe. I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? <laughs> Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. 
It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. Hello, I'm Charles Symes, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.alegrecare.com. Allegra Home Care, serving your community. Yeah, I want. It's not. I don't think it's out quite yet. She's working on it. I know she's been. She's used some of the money to put like a marketing campaign together, and she's been working on that. But yeah, super cool. cool. You have to put featured on the on Instagram. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we're gonna have a little fun here. Okay, we're gonna do something called the lightning round, and I'm gonna ask you very quick questions. I think you'll have fun. Okay, and we're old friends, so we can do things like this. Coffee or tea? Today, both. Okay. <laughs> Mezcal or Merlot? Mezcal. Okay. <laughs> Heels or flats? <sighs> Heels, flats? I said flats the other day, and I, I think I disappointed myself and everyone. <laughs> I mean, heels today, flats for the airport tomorrow. Agreed. Uh, morning person or night person? I've become a morning person. I like got up and like put yoga pants on and like walked around the Embarcadero this morning. Like, just like didn't wash my face, put sunscreen on, wore a baseball cap. I was just like, I don't know. Yeah, morning person. Soul cycle or yoga? Mm. <laughs> yoga? Mezcal. Yeah, someone said mezcal. <laughs> mezcal. <laughs> I don't I'm, have any muscles. Um, I, I mean, if I had to choose. I would say yoga. I'm sorry, James. He really likes SoulCycle. I just like, if, the, if I don't like the music, I, I'm like, no. I'm like, no. Beach vacation or a ski trip? Beach vacation. Sonoma or Napa? Napa? Because you, you live in LA. Okay, so you wouldn't know the difference. What's in Sonoma? <laughs> I mean, there's like Calistoga, but what's in Sonoma? <laughs> They're all awesome. They're all amazing. Rock or hip hop? Hip hop lately. Kay. Young thug. <laughs> Trump or Hillary? Oh my God. Since people, I mean, Hillary, like Hillary, but I try to keep it to myself. Modern art or Monet? Monet. Um, I think you'll, okay, the next one is Instagram or Twitter. Oh, Instagram. Okay. <laughs> Dick's not the CEO anymore, so Instagram. We're now going to go to some of the audience's questions, okay. and there's so many of them. Uh oh, cool. I can't wait. How did you remain steadfast and focused on your, on your creativity and business during tough times? 
It's hard. I mean, the creativity piece, I have an amazing team to execute on. Um, there's been so many years where it was the business that I was focusing on and creativity. Like I could like throw in a sentence here and there before an email blast went out, but the pace that the company moves at and that e-commerce moves at is just so fast. Like you can't keep up at scale. Um, so I would say that's a challenge and that's something that I haven't mastered. Um, I think managing taste at scale is um, like an incredible feat when anyone can do it. Um, but, um, you know, these projects, whether it's the Netflix series, I mean, first Girl Boss and now the podcast and the Netflix series and um, Nasty Galaxy all give me like an opportunity to be creative in this, in this kind of like contained place where it's not just like I'm going to go distract my whole company being like, let's do this because that's easy to do, to have like an idea and be like, come follow me, everybody. And then they're like, wait, but we don't have time to do the thing that we joined the company to do. <laughs> so you have to be very careful when you're a creative person not to distract like your own people, which I am very capable of. Um. <laughs> Here's another question. Um, and the question is, you mentioned that you would have gone after VC money sooner than it came to you. In retrospect, if you had done that, how do you think you would have approached it, especially in such a male-dominated space? Yeah, I think that's really interesting because I have this like literally like kind of Cinderella story of the company already having been at scale where it was like we, we raised $49 million in 2012 because we were on this insane trajectory and it wasn't this teeny, it wasn't this teeny thing. It was still a smaller company, but we were growing like at this insane rate. Um, and you get an injection of cash like that just out of the blue. It's a shock to the system. If I had if I had it to do over, I wouldn't have been able to like stumble into an investor's office and impress them without like a deck, which I did. I didn't have a deck. Um, I just talked about what I was doing and they did their diligence and when it was time to um, pitch the partners. Um, they had an associate who had helped me with the deck and worked on that, and now I'm really good at putting decks together. Um, but uh, it, it was it was very different than being a young woman with an idea going into a, a room. Um, how would I have done that? I think that's a really good question. Um, I'm not sure I would have because I wouldn't I wouldn't have known. Um, you know if I. If I, if I did find myself in that situation, let's just pretend I'm that girl, um, I would have known that they had taken the meeting for a reason, um, that most people don't even get in the room, um, that I had shown them something that was uh, worth their time. You know, no matter where you are, it's like I walk into any room and I'm like, I don't belong here. Like, it's, you know, we all feel that way. Like, I don't, I don't belong here. Like, 500 people, and I'm gonna talk about, what, my bangs? Like, you know, it's like really easy to psych yourself out and think that like you don't belong somewhere and then you have to remember that you're there for a reason. Um, and so I think, and, and not seeing yourself as like the thing that's other than is really important. Um, there's a lot of people who are like, how do you like, you know, hold your weight in the room with like a lot of men? Um, one, I think like what I've done for the most part um, precedes me when I walk in a room, so it's always nice to have like something under your belt. But I also was just raised kind of like a dude, um, and 
don't like sit down and I'm like, I'm the only girl in the room. Because as soon as you sit down and you say, I'm the only fill in the blank in the room and we're all, there's a blank for all of us. Um, as soon as you do that, like you put into the universe what you, like what you don't want to happen, which is other people see you as other than. Like you're, you're like silently telling other people that like you don't belong there. And so there's a certain amount of like fake it till you make it confidence of just like, yep, I'm here, here we are, like let's get started that I think we all have to possess to manifest the things that we want. Um, and so, um, yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my trick. Thank you, that's perfect. Next question is from social media. If you ever did a total career 180 switch, what would you be? Um, hmm. I think I might like be like a director or like in f like film or photography. Um, yeah, perfect. If you could, and this is another question from social media. If you could swap lives with another hashtag girl boss for the day, who and why would you do it? Ooh, I would. I would swap lives with someone who's like traveling to like really war torn countries and. Um, see what they're doing and what they're experiencing and learn about the world through their eyes because, and I'd like to do that at some point, um, but I haven't yet. So I'd like to maybe Angelina Jolie, that would be so entertaining. And I said her name twice. That's so weird. <laughs> Emma Watson. Okay. Her new movie's amazing. Our next question is from social media as well. How did you make the transition from solo venture to leading a team, and how did you know when the time was right? The time was right to what? Lead a team? To, to start adding employees yeah. and start building out your team. Yeah, it was when I really couldn't fulfill on all the duties that the company required of me. Um, and so it was like I was shipping everything, I was writing the product descriptions, I was emailing the customers back, I was taking the photos and editing them and weighing the stuff and putting the weight into the e-commerce backend so that when they checked out, it was like the proper sh you know, shipping rate. Um, there's a point where like you start doing the things that are like more necessary. And so initially I kept shooting and um, buying the product and um, responding to customers and doing social media and you know had it you know first it was someone who kind of did all the other things and then it was someone who wrote customers back and it was someone who um social media was like the last one editing photos was like very late in the game there was someone who shipped stuff um someone who wrote product descriptions those were like the first three jobs that i brought in which was just like it's like really time intensive work um, how did I know? I guess, you know, the groundswell was greater than like my ability to fulfill on, um, you know, the demand. So that's when you really know. But I paid my first employee more money than I was paying myself at first. And I was like, I hope there's full-time work. I've never engaged like another person's work before. And it was like instantly, like we were both, I mean, she was as busy as I was. It's amazing. The next question is from the audience. What advice would you give to a woman to overcome fears? Oh man, I'm grappling with that a lot. Um, what do we talk about? <laughs> like I'm like psyching myself out before I like walk into any room. So 
Fears, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, whether it's trusting other people or, you know, achieving your dreams, it's like life is short. If you make moves, things happen. If you don't make moves, things don't happen. If you don't trust people, you'll never know if you can trust them. So you just have to like do all of that. Thank you for joining us for this week-to-week presentation of a recent Commonwealth Club program. I'm John Zipperer, host of Week to Week, and I invite you to find us online at commonwealthclub.org and follow us on Facebook and Twitter.